Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of In the Tenth Fast and Furious Movie, We Will Go to Space. That's not the name of my podcast. <laughs> We're all going to space. No, hang on. They will go to space. We're not going anywhere. We're at home. This is a pandemic. All right, take two. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of In the Tenth Fast and Furious Movie, They Will Go to Space. The only podcast about how in the 10th Fast and Furious movie, they are definitely going to space. Joining us this episode is my good friend and writer, Michael Elliott. Michael, hello. Hello, Andrew. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you very much for being on my podcast, which is a very serious and adult podcast that has a lot of production value behind it. And I definitely didn't just fuck up my intro twice. That that definitely didn't happen. I can yeah. attest to that. I will swear to that on a stack of Tokyo Drift DVDs. <laughs> just like a flat of them just like 10 of them as many as you can get actually do you think you can do that sorry i know we've barely started the episode and i'm already getting off track <laughs> but my understanding is that in a court of law like they swear you in on a bible but if you're not christian you can ask for something else is there a limit to what else you can ask for like if i said i need to be sweared in on a stack of 10 fast and the furious tokyo drift dvds would they do that would they indulge me I mean, I'd like to think in a free and just society, they would understand you know, the, the importance and the relevance of that seminal work, but I mean, you just don't know these days. Yeah, that's true. It's not like any of us have any faith in the criminal justice system anymore. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Michael, where might our fans know you from? Yeah, well, as you mentioned in the introduction, I am a writer and I'm also a game designer. You can find mm -hmm. my role-playing games and other story games that I make on socrates.itch.io. That's S-O-H-K-R-A-T-E-S dot itch dot I-O. If you want, you can follow me on Twitter at kindlingboy. That's K-I-N-D-E-L-I-N-G-B-O-Y. Cool. Thank you very much. Well, now that we've instructed folks to leave this podcast to go and find you somewhere else on other websites and they're not listening, let's get right to it. So as you know from the title of this podcast, and also as we know, water is wet, gravity is real, that sort of thing, we know that they're going to go to space in the 10th Fast and Furious movie. How do you think they're going to get there? I mean, it's such an exciting question. Justin Lin's back in charge of the franchise. We now know that we're going to 11, you know, nice round number for... I can't with that. It's so good. I saw that news break where they were just like, yeah, by the way, also there's an 11. And I was just like, I don't know how I didn't see that coming already. I don't know why I trusted them when they said they were going to stop it. I mean, you know, the pandemic, it's taken a lot from us. You know, little things, big <laughs> things. Definitely one of the biggest for me was not being able to see that ninth movie and to like get some mm -hmm. inkling of like why they're going to need two more films to wrap up the core canon story arc. Yeah. I'm really hoping that it's a fucking Infinity War situation. I want 10 to end on an enormous cliffhanger and then a full year of media speculation, like just nonstop articles and everything in the lead up to it until we get to that 11th movie, the one after the one where they go to space. Exactly. Maybe they're still up there. We don't know. Yeah, they never came back. Why would they? They live in the stars now. <laughs> that would actually be a pretty good way to have the cliffhanger, though, is what if they're stranded in space at the end of 10? You know, how are they going to get home? I just hope that it ends with them going back in time somehow. Oh, God. Because, like, what, what, <laughs> what do you do next, right? Like, it, like the Fast and Furious movie franchise, yeah. because it's been running for so long, is starting to do the things that, like, long-running 
horror movies do where like they go to space eventually like jason went to yeah. space was it the one with like the weird uh critters they went to space yeah because eventually you just kind of run out of ideas like okay let's, we'll put them in space i guess once you go to space like you kind of like you put a ceiling on the realm of possibility and the only way you can open up that that ceiling is to fuck with space and time I really want them to like go back to fucking I don't know horse-drawn buggies and like drift around cobblestone <laughs> corners or some shit. Like just to give our viewers a little context on what has happened between the last episode and this episode, kind of a lot. That last episode <laughs> with Molly Lewis, she and I recorded that on the Jonathan Colton cruise at the end of February 2020. It is now December 2020, and we have been inside our houses the entire time. But also, earlier this week, there was a series of advertisements called the Game Awards that happened. I don't know if there are any actual awards there because I don't have any respect for Jeff Keighley. But they did have a lot of game trailers, including one for, I guess it's Arc 2, Arc Survival Evolved or whatever, starring our good friend Vin Diesel. Oh, right. I have really been enjoying quite a few good shit posts with like screenshots of prehistoric Vin Diesel and as if the Fast and Furious franchise went back in time. That's how we got cars. La Familia gave them to us because they had to. <laughs> Yeah, without, without them, we wouldn't have had cars at all. Without them, we'd still be running around in horse-drawn buggies very slowly. Not a single one of us would have NOS. No, it's true. Yeah. God, that was the one I saw. It was like, Letty, the ancients were the original inventors of cars. We only adapted the technology that they created. Cobbling together this freaking ancient, like, stone wheels. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, like a fire where the is engine like should be. Flintstones? Yeah. Yeah. This is like a Flintstone situation with the familiar. <laughs> and of course, you got the freaking dinosaur. I mean, they would just ride dinosaurs. I mean, that's, that's the thing that it really should be, is just. You know, Fast and Furious meets Turok. You know, finally my teenage self can get everything he wanted out of life. (laughs) Yep. I was actually thinking about this in the run-up to the episode. You mentioned because the franchise has been going on so long. I don't know what has been going on longer, this franchise of movies or our friendship. Oh, Christ. Uh... Right? It was like around the same time that we first met online. Yeah. Because it would have been like 2001, back when the first movie came out. I would have been, I don't know, 17, I guess, first year university. I remember Charlottetown was absolutely bumping with car culture when that movie came out. Like, I have never seen so many cars with fucking underlighting in my life. And this was in a small town in the Maritimes of Canada. Like, it was absurd. Oh, no. Like, it was the same. Like, I, I grew up in a small town in BC. And yeah, when I was in high school, I had friends that... There was a quarter mile stretch on the highway and they would race their cars and they were really into car culture. And it's like, I don't know why this is a thing, but I'm a teenager. So it's happening. And yeah, like explaining this film franchise to someone who hasn't seen it is such a weird thing because you're right. It did yeah. like, it was a result of like car culture stuff and like the drag race was a big part of it. And like when they hit the NOS, like the visual effects they use made it look like they're going through like space and time. Yeah, they went ham in those early movies. Like the Starship Enterprise going to warp. Like, it was nuts. You know what my favorite thing to tell people about this franchise is? My my favorite piece of hidden trivia 
is what people are like, oh yeah, the Fast and Furious films, like I know there's a bunch of them. It's this big multi-billion dollar thing. I'm like, yeah, this is a now 11 film series with spinoffs and everything else. It is based on a magazine article. I didn't know that. Yep. The original ideas for the original Fast and Furious movie came out of a magazine article. I forget what magazine it was written for. It was called Racer X, written by Ken Lee. And Gary Scott Thompson, the writer of the first film, I guess, kind of was inspired by that, the story of actual street racers, and was like, hey, I should write about this. What if they went faster? And what if they were also furious? And then... What if they stole, was it like combo, like TV, DVD players? Yeah, it was an, it was an article uh, entitled Racer X for Vibe Magazine back in 1998. God. According to the Wikipedia article, it is also based on Point Break. And I can't tell if that is true or an incredibly good dunk that no one has bothered to edit out. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, basically. Yeah, just continuing a great movie tradition. Yeah, that was one. That was the first one. And now in the 10th one, they're going to go to space. We actually got sidetracked going back in time. So let's go back in time to when I asked you how they were going to get to space. (laughs) And maybe we'll finally get an answer to that question. I mean, there's so many good, like, this. I genuinely struggle with this question because there's just so many good ways that are all within the realm of possibility. Right? Within the context of this podcast, like, it's a silly goof that I'm pitching people. I'm like, all right, what's your idea? But it's actually kind of a fucking hard question. Right? Like, as the series has progressed, you know, their approach to space is inevitable. And the more that reality is warping to just just (laughs) the needs of La Familia, rather than La Familia having to live within reality. Right? Because, like, it wasn't, like, the fourth or fifth... One of the middle ones, like Dom just kind of like convinces Letty to come back to life. Oh, yeah. Like like, just wanting it really badly. Yeah. He's just holding her arms like, you got to come back. And it's like, all right, cool, fine. And like, I think it's also in that movie where he just like hammers on like some asphalt and it comes away like he's a superhero. Oh, that's further on. Like that's like seven or eight. Right. Kind of talking there. That's the end of seven because they do a callback to that. Because it's everybody else trying to get Dom to come back to life. Like, Letty especially, but trying to get Dom to come back to life. The movie series has jumped the shark several times, but Seven was just sort of like, what if low-rent Marvel, though? <laughs> right? Yeah. And Where like, they're just, like, tearing pieces off of cars and, like, fighting with them as if they were swords and, like, fucking... They basically each have their own car sonas at this point. Yeah, you know, like, they they crash the cars into each other, and then, you know, like, as normal humans do, both of them get out of their cars that they've just crashed head-on at 100 miles an hour, look at each other and go, hey, you cheated, your car has extra heavy stuff in it. (laughs) Yeah. And then the government shows up, you know, normal shit. Whatever car Dom gets into, it will be a muscle car. Mm -hmm. You know, the the rules of space and times to accommodate that. You know, whatever whatever yep. Luke gets into is is just some kind of tank. God damn it! Is this no? Hang on, I've had a horrifying realization. What is this? Paw Patrol for adults. Everybody matches their car sona like in Paw Patrol. Have I been watching Paw Patrol for ten movies? <laughs> Hang on, did I make a podcast about Paw Patrol? None of this can't be right. I mean, there are, there are worse mistakes to make, Andrew. 
I don't want to think about this line of questioning anymore. Okay. <laughs> so they're going to go to space. Yeah. And yeah, as we've seen, like the laws of physics don't really apply anymore. I mean, they, they can't be outright ignored, but they can be bent kind of thing. Yeah. And like Dom can't fly, but he can leap tall buildings in a single bound. Exactly. And technology has reached a point where we have super science now, basically. Like, it was mostly in the was it Hobbs and Shaw spinoff with, like, the AI and, like, Idris Alba playing a super soldier, basically. Yeah, I think once they introduced Cypher, they started to lean, like, way more into the technology as magic era of Fast and Furious movies. So, yeah, I think going in kind of like that route, because there's a reason they have to go to space. It's, you know, the villain has a space station or colonized Mars or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whatever. And, you know, we have to get, you know, the world's greatest agents you know, organized once again, probably a Mr. Nobody or whatever. You know, government can't do this by themselves. They have to hire, in, you know, mercenaries, basically. I always find it interesting how the structure of that results in us kind of like rooting for the government, but not the government. We're just sort of rooting for government contractors it's like go really small and charismatic blackwater like ooh. yeah exactly like you're rooting for like the detestable parts of the u.s government like mr nobody's definitely cia it's abstracted enough that it's kind of like a gi joe versus cobra kind of thing you don't really think about like their nationality or like mm-hmm. who they answer to you just you know it's the good guys versus the bad guys that's true, actually. Like, I there is no point when watching the Fast and the Furious movies that I actually really think of Mr. Nobody and everything else as the American government. I just think of them as, quote, unquote, the government. Like, they're just the stand-in for, you know, authority figure. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like how you never see the faces of the parents in Peanuts, you know? You, you just get them from the neck down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, it, so they have to go confront you. The villain has raised the stakes once more, and so Maximilia yeah. has to meet them in space. I think we get the shot of, like, Mr. Nobody explains, blah, blah, you know, there's an AI, you know, drug overlord, ex-assassin yeah. spy named Cosmos, and, you know, they've seized our, you know, the first ever Martian colony. You know, but, you know, one problem, they're in space, and, like, they're is explaining this throughout the hangar as to reveal the thing that's going to transport mm. them there. Walking through the hangar, like there's supercars on either side. There's the rock special big car for him. You know, the super flashy one that Tyrese wants. And then it's Mr. Nobody like ends his speech at a wall or so you think, and then reveals the spaceship. It looks like a spaceship. It's incredibly long. It's too long. It looks like one of those high-altitude vomit comet things. Okay. It's meant to, like, transport people in low Earth orbit, like, on high parabolic arcs. Okay, yeah. And it is, like, I'm basically imagining, like, a flying ramp. Because what they're going <laughs> to do is they're going to get everyone to drive this quarter-mile freaking low yeah. Earth plane to yes. ramp themselves up into space. Okay, so it's not a plane that's designed for space travel. It's not something with rocket boosters. It's just like at the top of the parabolic arc, they have to hit this other plane, which is just a flying ramp, and then go off that. Yeah, and then they have like you know space nos or something like it's either this yeah. or like they just strap these cars to little rocket boosters and you like they. Hit. I mean, they did strap a rocket to one of the cars in nine. It's in the trailer. They just have like a giant rocket on 
a shitty car. Yeah, right? So it's like kind of that situation, but, you know, they're not going to do the Armageddon thing and get these criminals slash street racers to learn how to be an astronaut in, like, whatever time they have left before the super weapon goes off. They got to introduce all these people to what they're familiar with, and what they're familiar with is going very, very, very fast for a quarter of a mile. Yeah. The length is very specific. Incredibly so. It took a team of scientists, you know, dozens and dozens of hours working (laughs) yeah that's that's the ideal length to accelerate in order to achieve escape velocity they'll have to mention that you know in one of those thank god we invented the such and such machine yeah it's perfect because like mr nobody will have been explaining like the the physics and like the the force and the thrust and lack of atmosphere and he'll just say a bunch of jargon and that's when, you know, Dom looks at him saying we have to drive this again for a quarter mile. And Mr. Nobody nods like, yeah, that's about right. And Dom just looks at the crew and they all just kind of smile. And he says, yeah, I think we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're cocky like, that's what we were born to do. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, like Roman's freaking out because like that's when the meteor storm hits when he's trying to go off. And it's like, ah. <laughs> okay. Would it be would it be a meteor storm or would it just be like a space debris collision, do you think? Ooh, that's a good one, too. That could be, like, fallout from the villain's plan. Like, part of it was, like, destroying the satellite network or whatever. Destroy all the satellites. It creates, like, this impenetrable field of debris. No one can go up now. We can't send our spacecraft or astronauts up into that. Well, it's like, oh, I think we have superheroes, basically, <laughs> so long as they have cars. Yeah, like, they're the equivalent of superheroes that are only superheroes if they have their super suit, except their suit is a car. Yeah, they're modern Power Rangers. Yeah, wait. Does that make Iron Man a Power Ranger? I mean, sort of? Kind of, yeah. His suit is definitely his Zord. Yeah. We're getting back into scary territory here. But jumping back to what you were saying with the satellite debris thing. So you're picturing sort of the Kessler Syndrome apocalypse situation. That could be the villain's plan is to make too many satellites collide, causing a chain reaction that will generate enough debris that will cause basically all satellites to be destroyed. Yeah. I could see that. I've had a lot of conversations with folks both on this podcast and just when talking about it with folks not recording. But I've noticed that a lot of us, myself included, tend to gravitate towards the villains are in space. They're already up there. Is the villain Cosmos? I mean, yeah, it's kind of a, a name I pulled out of my ass, but like, yeah. I mean, that's sort of the kind of caliber of it. We have a hacker named Cypher. That's the caliber of name that we're going to get. Their name is just going to be Space Word. Yeah, exactly. Like Nova or... Yeah. Prometheus or whatever the hell. Yeah. They're going to sound like a C-tier Young Avenger or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you need motivation to send La Familia in space because they're not going to go themselves. It's not a plan that Dom's going to have for some reason. Yeah. It would be something that they would have to do. It would have to be one of those wild plans, like the airdropping set piece from Seven. Yeah, exactly. Actually, that brings me to a really good question. When they go to space, is that the climactic set piece of Ten? Or do you think they go to space, like, early on? Is space the big flashy thing at the end of the movie? That's a good question. I mean, they have an easy in to the world of space technology, which is, of course, Tej Parker, master of all things digital and technological, who has, as the series has progressed, has become a sort of super hacker. (laughs) A little bit, yeah. I ain't going to complain about that as long as I get to keep looking at Chris Bridges. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, I mean, it's like, the heist movies have the tech person. I guess Ted is the tech person. 
he's a hundred percent the tech person. Yeah. So like, yeah, the movie could absolutely start with like, oh, Ted is in space now because he has to install the whatever thing to undo the God's Eye program or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They're putting God's Eye where no one can get it in space. And oh no, what's this? A rogue AI has taken the station hostage. Tedge is trapped, now the prisoner of Cosmos the AI, and the AI is holding the entire world hostage, and it's up to La Familia to both rescue their friend and save literally the entire planet. It is the only way that the stakes could be higher at this point. Yeah, and the only way they know how to get there is a quarter mile at a time, so they just put the quarter mile you know, in like high atmosphere. What does this flying ramp look like? Because I am picturing something out of, like, a Sonic the Hedgehog level. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> it's not, not amazing. <laughs> okay. Like, okay. I thought up this idea, like, an hour ago. <laughs> uh, just picture a ramp, and then on either side of it, you put propellers. What more do you want, Andrew? What the hell? It was a toss-up between this and, like, involving the Large Hadron Collider somehow. Yeah, okay. If that exists in the world of Fast and Furious, it is 100% treated as magical technology as well. Yeah. That brings me to a question there. If the Large Hadron Collider exists in that world, does everything exist in that world? Like, are Dom and Letty dealing with the pandemic? Oh, wow. (laughs) How's that going? (laughs) That's a good question. We know in Nine, they're raising a family. Yeah. Got little Brian. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a whole thing. I don't know. I'm just, like, fixated on the idea of La Familia trying to do, like, a Zoom call. Ted's <laughs> trying to run, like, check for everybody. And, like, Roman can't figure yeah. it out. You, like, yeah. see either his forehead yeah. or his chin, but never both. Oh, my God. And you're in the middle of it, like, Cypher hacks. And it's like, ah, oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, she's just, like, really lonely and has nothing to talk to. So I just let her in. An unknown person has entered the Zoom call. You know what? It would actually make sense for Cypher to eventually join their side because like half the other villains have at this point. Right. right? I mean, fucking the Shaws get to come in even though they killed Han. Just fucking open yeah. door policy. Except he's not dead now. Like, I really want, like. They thought he was, man. I want to see the scene with him and Jason Statham. How are they going to bridge that gap of just like, we cool now? And they're not cool. Like, fucking definitely- drift battle. Send that. British asshole over a cliff or something. <laughs> and of course, he has his fucking spinoff, so I'm still pissed about that. <laughs> like, one of the best characters in the goddamn franchise. Always sitting around eating something. Yep. Fucking being humble as shit. Fucking Silent King over here gets offed. Yep. No, just fucking Decker Shaw saved a baby, so I guess he's cool now. Nah, they wrote him out. Him and The Rock are going to go do their own thing. Yeah, I guess. I actually legitimately don't think either of them are going to show up in 9 at all, and possibly not 10. Like, they won't show up again till 10 slash 11, like the big finish. Kind yeah, of the big finale where they have to... Justice for Han, man. He would be chill about going to space. Oh, yeah. He'd be like, well, I guess we're going to make history. Choose on some chips. I mean, yeah, he's going to be snacking on chips in Zero-G. It's going to be tight as hell. Yeah. <laughs> Because you know there's going to be that fucking, like, the montage scene of everyone getting used to zero-G. Yeah, you got to go climate to space. you got to have that scene. Just like popping M&Ms kind of thing. Just like bouncing them off the sides of the ship. Yep. Catching them in his mouth. Everybody else is tripping over themselves. He's just like, yeah, yeah. It's cool. Whatever. The thing that I love about this is that the whole, like, 
satellite catastrophe is legitimately plausible. I like to goof around on this podcast, but that actually has decent odds to be the actual way. I'm giving this a lot of credit. Okay. They're going to hit the top of the parabolic arc. They're going to hit the ramp. That's going to achieve escape velocity. Is their target a space station or is it another ship? They have to be driving their cars is the thing, right? Like it's a car action movie. So I think like... The movies would be very different if everyone was in the passenger seat in every shot. Right. So I think it has to be like like the moon or Mars, right? Because mm. that's cool as hell. Yeah. Like doing low gravity jumps. I mean, the, you know, the moon makes sense because you don't have need a lot of thrust to escape the orbit. So, well, and as we saw in Ad Astra, you can make a car chase on the moon look badass as hell. That's true. Yeah, and make it all about your father issues as well. Yeah, a weird direction for the series to go, but sure, why not? I mean, these are movies that are primarily for men, so it's basically where they all end up. Oh, okay. So we're we're missing a key component of the Fast and Furious movies. Which is? Which is some way to drag some kind of street race kicking and screaming into the plot to remind us where this whole thing came from. Because, like, since six or seven, like, it's been very, like, tenuous how they can, like, put that in. And sometimes they don't even show up for very long. They're just like, okay, we need cars. We'll go win at this thing and get a bunch of cars. I forget which movie it's in, but I will absolutely never in my entire life get over the comedy and ballsiness of the scene where they're like, sounds like we're going to need to go race and get some cars. And then they just cut to them coming back with the cars and completely excise the street race. From it. Yeah, I think that was five, the one with the vaults. It was five or six or seven. It was one of those. And it was possibly the funniest joke in the entire series. Yeah, right. It was brilliant. But yeah, they got to fit a street race in this. How's that going to happen? I have an idea, but I want to hear yours first here. I want street race on the rich people's colony on Mars. Okay. I think fucking around in low gravity environment and like, because like that's kind of mm-hmm. like in the zeitgeist is like, you know, rich people want to colonize a different planet. Yeah. Um, this also gets us in the same physics realm as uh, Speed Racer. God knows I love anything to do with Speed Racer, so. Yeah, which I've previously established is in the Fast and Furious canon. Oh, God. It's gotta be. Yeah, sure. I'd love it. Here's the real thing that I want them to do if they have the race on the moon, okay? It doesn't matter to me too much if it's in the rich people's colony on the moon. It doesn't matter to me whether it's in, like, an enclosed dome or on a racetrack or just through the city, you know, colony city streets. Or if it's, like, actually out on the surface of the moon. The real thing that I want them to do with this is I want them to host it there as like a huge big thing that has more people attend than just them it's that huge race event that they go to because then they can finally rename it oh god right and they can call it space war instead of race wars because jesus good lord how is that still the name yeah it's pretty bad i have so many questions so yeah we have space war on either moon or mars or both question mark yeah and yeah, that's how we, we see the contractually obligated. I mean, I'm thinking about excising Mars out of this. I like the idea of the ultra-rich colony on the moon. Right, yeah. Like the, the rich and wealthy have co-opted NASA's plan to put a moon base there. Ultimately, to make getting Mars easier. So, Right. We just have, you know, whatever this world's version of Elon Musk is as the villain. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just Elon Musk. 
I mean, yeah, probably, but the guy can't act for shit, so... Yeah, he's already a terrible actor and a real-life villain, so <laughs> whatever, fuck him. You know what? I need to start putting a fucking moratorium because I think we have talked about an Elon Musk cameo in every single episode so far. Oh, boy. Yep. Oh, easy villain, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, there it is. At, at the end of the movie, it will be revealed that Cosmos is actually just an art project of Grimes that has gotten way out of hand. Oh, no. Yeah, just a rich person's idle fancy that has mistakenly doomed humanity. Yeah, that, that feels on point for these days. It would be really nice to see a lot more uh, cultural commentary as part of the series. That's the thing. Like, I've definitely noticed that like a certain amount of like class consciousness is starting to find its way into a lot of media. I'd be really excited to see if they like really start to try to like go for that in some way when they go to space. I think if we're dealing with an ultra rich colony on the moon, they would basically have to. It would be handled clumsily because it's Hollywood, but it would a hundred percent be a thing. Yeah, you could have Dom saying like, you know, in the climactic final moments, like, no, space is for everybody and then does the thing that blows up the thing or whatever. Mm, mm-hmm. It's for the people that drifts around a space corner. I know I'm taking us back again to Ad Astra, but do you remember that first fucking shot of the moon colony and you can see the fucking Applebee's logo? <laughs> Holy shit, that was good. Yeah. I felt that in my chest. I was just like, ugh, too real. I came here for science fiction, not nightmare future, because that's definitely going to happen. Well, at least in this nightmare future, you have Space NOS. I mean, Space NOS would probably make things better. It's already well established. There's there's different flavors of NOS. There's Cuban NOS. There's you know NOS original. Got to have that space NOS. Is Cuban NOS socialist NOS? Can you use NOS to defeat capitalism? God, I hope so. And I hope we see it when the family goes to space. <laughs> yeah. Coming soon to a theater near you. The 10th Fast and Furious movie. A class conscious, sprawling sci-fi epic in which our beloved Familia defeats Grimes' latest art project and uses the power of NOS to defeat capitalism itself. And that's like the credit roll stinger is them like, as you know, the space station is coming down, the AI is singing like Daisy or whatever in the background. You know, Dom and like Tej kind of look at each other because they have control of like the whole system. The AI is plugged into everything. And then Tej does this hacker magic and like wipes out everyone's you know, credit score, or, you know, just redistributes the wealth to everybody. Yeah, he already has a history of doing that. Okay, yeah, nope, we we found it. That's it. Yeah, it's it's the hacker equivalent of making the money shoot out of the ATM, but for the entire global economy. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Hell yeah. That's great. Well, I think that kind of about covers it. I think at this point, we just need to put our faith in Tedge. You got any, anything else you want to add there, Michael, to this really solid script that we've put together? Yeah, I'm just looking forward to, in the 10th Fast and Furious movie, they will go to space and defeat capitalism. I'm going to have to buy some new domains. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, yeah, I think that's going to bring us up to the end of our episode here. Thank you very much for joining me here, Michael. This is fun. And could you uh, please remind our audience where they can find you in the future? Absolutely, yes. Thank you for inviting me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, you can see the writing I do is at notwriting.net. That's N-O-T-W-R-I-T-I-N-G.net. You can see the games I've made at socrates.itch.io, S-O-H-K-R-A-T-E-S. 
And you can follow me on Twitter at Kindling Boy. That's K-I-N-D-E-L-I-N-G-B-O-Y. And as always, this podcast can also be found on Twitter at I-T-T-F-A-F-M-T-W-G-T-S. No, I will not be saying that a second time. Good luck. Thank you, everybody. And I will see you next episode. And Michael and I are just going to turn off the recording and probably just shit talk our audience now. Does that seem like a good idea, right? Yeah, fuck everybody. 